everyone to our third podcast, Ordinary Saints podcast. I am Sarah West and I'm here with Richard Bonifant, not Bonnie Face. Not, no, not Boonie Ford, not Bonnie Font. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are lots of great massacrings mm. of my name out there, but I, I am Richard Bonifant. That's right. Today. Anyway. Today, today. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, today we are talking about the fact that we've made a couple of videos recently. Yeah, hopefully people have found the videos. Um, So there have been a couple. They Um, do exist. They do exist. Well, they're definitely getting watched by people. So, or or maybe one person is watching them lots. Lots I don't know. Mm. (laughs) Mm. So the first two videos we've done have been the first one was on what is an alb, and the second one was what is a stole. And so today we thought we would talk a little bit about why we're making these videos and also a little bit about the videos themselves or our experience of what these videos are about. So why are we making these videos? Well, lots of people don't know what these things are, including some of us who have been around them for a really long time. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like even I know, and I have been around for longer than most people in Ordinary States, uh, but, you know, every time we make one of these videos, we do a bunch of research and we go, well, what's the interesting point here and what are we going to put into it? What do we think people would like to know? And we all learn stuff. Mm. Well, I mean, it's fun making videos, right? It's pretty fun <laughs> making videos. It yeah. is. There's a lot of uh, potential blooper material, which we could do, actually, maybe once a year. That'd be quite fun, wouldn't it? Uh, it would, yeah, uh, yeah, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> You're right there, Richard. I have, I have hesitant feelings about whether bloopers are a good idea. I want to say yes, mm, but I'm concerned mm. about how it's I It's a maybe. Look. It's a maybe yeah. from Richard. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, there's a quote that comes to mind, actually, for me that I quite enjoy uh, by Nadia Boltz-Weber. She is a, youth, a, lu- a, Lutheran, a Lutheran pastor, uh, and she says, you need to be deeply rooted in tradition in order to innovate with integrity. And I quite like that quote. I know that um, there's many dimensions that could be unpacked about this. Uh, what does it mean to innovate? What does tradition mean, et cetera, et cetera. But mm. in my personal encounter with this, I can say that it is true for me. I, until I understood what these symbols meant, what our liturgy means, and I know we touched on this on our first podcast, um, I couldn't connect with it. I had no idea what was going on. And for me, understanding this stuff has has richly uh, informed my experience of faith and of what we're doing in church. It's really connected me. So I think if we're going to do anything with it, you know, if we're thinking, okay, cool, like, you know, we've been to these Eucharists, but we're not really connecting, or we do night prayer, but it's, you know, we need to understand, if we're going to do anything around these or innovate in any way, uh, regardless of what you think of that word, we really need to understand what it is we're doing and why and where it comes from. And so I think these videos are a bit of an attempt at that, to bring a bit more understanding around what these things are, but also through the eyes and perspective of younger people in the church. Because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, or my assumption was growing up, that all of this stuff belongs to my parents Ooh. and that generation and not to me. Yeah. Uh, but actually, that's not true. 
I just don't think younger people are being passed down that knowledge about what it is that we're doing very well in the church. And I think this is an opportunity for us to say, hey, this is ours too. This is for us to inherit. Uh, And if we're going to do anything with it, we have to understand it. Yeah, so I was quite a young kid when I first wore an alb. Uh, So I would have been about eight or so, about that age. And I um, got trained in my church to do some different roles. The first first thing I was ever trusted to be was an acolyte, which meant that I carried a candle. (laughs) So acolytes carry candles. It's a very badass word, eh? It is quite a cool word. Acolyte. Yeah. Um, the acolytes. Anyway, <laughs> I um, <laughs> there we go. It could, could be a really terrible band it name. Could be. You never know. Yeah. Um, terrible ideas here for future band names. If you want them, I can give you more. Yeah. Um, so I was an acolyte. Um, and then later on, I was also trained to be a server. But I have this funny memory where um, we had had sort of a combined sort of youth group church service at my church where we had hosted. Uh, the the youth group of a couple of other neighbouring parishes. There was the Baptist church across the road. I think there was a Methodist church as well. And suddenly this was the first time where I had sort of some of my school friends come to my church. Uh, and I was involved in the service and I was wearing an alb. And suddenly the next day at school, I got um, some questions from some other kids for the first time. They're like, why, did you, why do you wear a dress at church? Oh, I so saw that coming. Yeah. And... <laughs> and I didn't really know what to say. I didn't really have an answer. And, and for me, it was the first time of going, you, you, well, it's not a dress, it's an elb, and uh, you don't wear elbs at your church? Because that it was always part of what happened in my church. Mm. So I didn't really understand necessarily where it came from and so on. So, you know, for me, that was one of those things I was able to go back to my parents and my vicar and say, why do we do this? Mm. And the answer they gave me at that point in time was was their response was more or less saying, well, when we put on these things, we're kind of saying um, it's not really about us, that the people we are, it's not all about the worship that we're sharing in and, pres- and, and offering to our community is not about us. We're just here um, to help facilitate that worship happen. And so this is a way of sort of making us, it's actually meant not to make us more noticeable, it's meant to make us less noticeable. Mm. And that was the answer they sort of gave. And I, that makes a kind of sense. Um, it also has exactly the opposite effect, right? Because mm, it, <laughs> it does make certainly it made me more noticeable to my school friends. Um, but there is something around the tradition there, and and the video did touch on that a little bit. Mm, mm, that's right. Yeah, the the alb thing is interesting. I'll tell you a little story about the video. I made a mistake in some of the wording in that video, and I think it was me. And I said something like. The alb is typically worn over clothing. So tell me about these occasions where you don't <laughs> wear clothing underneath your alb. I know. And I reflected on that. And I was like, typically, typically? worn over clothing. Uh, they would always be worn over clothing. I think the word exclusively worn exclusively over clothing might worn be over clothing, more appropriate. Although I do know of some clergy, and you could admit if you're in this camp too, Richard, who when it's very warm in the summer months, will wear only underwear under their alb. I can neither confirm nor deny right. that this takes place. Uh, I think... I, 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 I believe there may be truth to those rumours. 
Um, certainly, uh, look, I, I, I'm not admitting to, uh, to to that at all, but I, I certainly, uh, people would know uh, from, from where I was previously the vicar, uh, of uh, that certainly in the summer months I would often wear shorts underneath. Yep. It's a little old, bit more appropriate, um, eh? Shorts. Well, in, in a church where there wasn't really any air conditioning, um, <laughs> it can be very hot by the time you wear an alb and a stole and a chasuble. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing was, uh, in the parish where I was the vicar for a long time, uh, the chasuble, which is the big... We haven't done a video on the chasubles yet. I know no. it's, it's going to be coming at some point. Um, but the one that we wore in summer, or the white one, so the one that we had to wear at Christmas services, was made from wool. <gasps> It was really heavy and really, yeah, and so, you know, come Christmas time, if it was a nice sunny day and it could be 30 degrees in the church and you I can had to wear it, can't you? three layers and a big woolen heavy poncho on top and, sorry, no offence to the chasuble, but it, that's what it felt I mean, like in those conditions. Yeah, that's what they're like. So very hot. So you can understand why people would uh, maybe choose to wear less underneath their own. <laughs> I personally have, have always worn pants under my alb so I just want to clarify that um but then again I am reptilian I really don't feel the heat uh so it's not been a problem for me but yeah just want to acknowledge that little blunder in (laughs) the video I thought it was worth mentioning uh yeah I mean for me first time seeing the alb was growing up uh I think it was at St George's um and I think I mentioned in the first uh, the first podcast that we did uh thought it looked really pretentious mm. and it wasn't until I understood what it meant that I could connect with it you know once I learned that it actually represents our baptism and you know that anyone can wear an alb actually don't have to be a priest or mm. deacon or bishop or you know anyone everyone has a right who's baptized to wear the alb I realized hey this is kind of beautiful and I liked the fact that it actually covered up my clothing. Now that we've established that I did wear clothing, and yes. I do wear clothing or, under or Alps. Exclusively. Exclusively. Uh, actually, I really like that it covers up my clothing because it gives it covers that sense of personal identity. And I know that that might be like a tricky topic for some, right? Because this idea of, well, why would you want to cover up your identity? You know, because we're all about, you know, especially us Westerners, I suppose, all about, oh, it's all about me. It's all about my identity. Yeah. But actually, for me, it was really liberating because it takes us back to this idea of standing in an ancient lineage of worship, you know, joining in with something much bigger than me. And with that, I didn't mind dissolving that sense of individualization, individualness. Mm. What's the word? You know what I mean? In that moment, when I put it on, I I really love that kind of dissolves and I become part of something much bigger. Yeah, that's real interesting because that actually connects with one of the things that was important for me about the stole video, oh, which right, is the yep. other video um, that, that we've put out so far, um, about the different symbolisms of the stole. Mm. Um, and in my experience, lots of people know the symbolism around the diaconal stole. That's what deacons wear, where they wear it sort of sideways and that how it represents a towel. And it's, like a sash. Yeah. And like it's a like brownie a, sash. It's meant to be a symbol of service, right? So that's, that's the symbolism of the towel is... Uh, is service but uh there's a part in the video where it talks about how when priests sort of put it over their shoulders that it represents the yoke Uh, and the yoke being uh typically a piece of wood with rope attached where you would put two oxen together and kind of bind them together and there are some really cool things about that right because two two oxen together are actually much much stronger like it's one of those things where you know two plus two equals four well actually with oxen 
you find two plus two, their combined strength, actually it's, it's much more mm. because when they're together and they support each other, they work harder, which is why in traditional farming practice they did that. Sorry, I mean, you never saw this podcast going into traditional farming practices today, did you? But, you didn't see but that coming. Here we are. <laughs> here we um, are, talking about the stole. But, but that was the symbol Jesus kind of gave us for ministry. Mm. And the idea is that, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're the ox on one side and Jesus is the ox on the other side. And so it's this reminder that whatever we do, we do together. And for me, it's that's a similar idea to what you talk about of, that's right, it's not all about me, mm. uh, which is a really important thing to, to remember in ministry, that it's not all about me. Try as I might, actually the work, the ministry, the all the things that the mission is God's and I have a small part to play in it. Uh, but whatever I do, I do with Christ beside me. Um, and for me, that's a really powerful image. And it's a really good reminder because it's nice to know in good times, it's certainly really great to know that in bad times too, uh, yeah, that I'm not alone because mm. sometimes ministry can be lonely. Yeah, it's very isolating sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I, I love that. And, uh, you know, it comes straight out of scripture, doesn't it? I mean, not the stole <laughs> per se, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, take my yoke upon you. You know, um, I think that's a really a beautiful uh, passage of scripture to to be reflecting on around that, uh, for me at least. Uh, for me, what drew me in initially, I think, was actually, like you say, probably the majority of people, uh, the the diaconal stole, and the meaning of it being a towel that's wrapped around Jesus' waist. And I love that. I think probably because I did have that initial perception that this stuff was pretty pretentious. So when I found out that the stole was an image of service. And that that really helped me to understand, whoa, this stuff is not what I thought it was. This is really different. And I remember the first time I had my diaconal stole put on me was actually a really moving moment yeah. uh, where I really connected with, this is about service. This yeah. is, you know, this is what I'm here to do. And that won't change uh, as I become a priest or anything like that. It, it will never change. This is the foundation for my ministry. And if it becomes anything else, then I'm a fraud, really. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing I really like. And we'll we'll talk about, you know, holy orders of, you know, deacons, priests and bishops in, in, in the future. Mm. But I, that thing that you just said, you know, that it's foundational to ministry. I really like the fact that, that when my my bishop was mm. first ordained, they were ordained as a deacon. So that that's still there, you know, that, that is still part of his or her ministry is that the first thing they did in the ordained life was to serve the community mm. and that the idea of that is that it carries right through your entire ministry, which is, for me, why why that idea of being a deacon is is still really important to me and I know it's important to other ordained people too. Mm. Once a deacon, always a deacon. Yeah. Uh, so if you have heard anything in this particular podcast that you might be confused about, uh, you can go and look at these videos and hopefully that'll fill in some more of the gaps for you. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I think it's IGTV or something, right, on Instagram, but whatever, you can go over looks. And yeah, hopefully, I mean, it was pretty fun making those videos behind the scenes, but I hope that they're helpful for you. 